0: Well guys, uh, it is Mother's Day today. This is a day where once a year we honor and we we thank our mothers for their sacrifice and love for us. And and I know that while this day is incredibly special for so many people, this day can also be an incredible emotional day. I mean, there can be a whole wide variety of of emotions going on on Mother's Day, and there's a myriad of reasons as to why this day can be painful Maybe either you recently lost your mother or maybe you could never be a mother or maybe you're a mother and you've had children that have died and died before you and that's just never, never okay. And maybe you have kids who aren't walking with God and whatever, there's no shortage of reasons why this could be, why you could be hurting today. And I just want to say that if that describes you this morning, I I just want to say I'm so very sorry. Um, I want you to know that we really love you. And my prayer is, is that God would wrap his great big arms around you today and that he would hold you and that you would just realize how much he loves you because he really, really does. But to the mothers in our midst and those watching via live stream, uh, I want to simply say that we honor you this morning uh, and we thank you for serving and, and sacrificing and, and loving your children like you have and like you do you know, the heart of a mother is incredible to me. I, I don't understand it. I have the heart of a father. So um, mothers, like, I remember my mom, she would give up her entire meal for me to be able to get seconds and thirds. I'm like, that blows my mind. Like, if I kid, my kids, you know, want my food, I'm like, get your own stinking food. You don't touch mine. <laughs> but not moms. Moms are willing to give up, and that just blows my mind. That's a very special thing, and I just want to thank God for you. I I trust that you will enjoy this day, that you will feel honored this day, because let me tell you, you are deserving of it, and we all love you. So let's give a big round of applause to all of our mothers. Now, I also want to say that when it comes to Mother's Day here at Whitestone, in the past, we had a tradition of singing a special song to the mothers at the end of the service, but unfortunately, too many people were offended by it, and so it was done away with last year. So I'm sorry about that. I know many of you liked it, and I got some emails and texts this week saying, you know, you better bring it on or I'm going to threaten you whatever, all this sort of stuff. <laughs> and so I don't know the time when it, it will ever come back or not, but I just want to apologize ahead of time. Please forgive us. We, we do have chocolates for you, though, after service, so hopefully that will make up for it. But uh, to begin with, as you know, uh, I was in Arizona for like 10 days uh, visiting my family. And I'm just going to say this I really missed you guys. Uh, I love my White Stone family. And it's just not the same being in another church without you. And so I, I really missed you. And I want to take some time right now to thank Paul Jeffries and Doug Harper, who did an absolutely outstanding job of preaching while I was gone. Let's give them a big round of applause. But I tell you, it was, it was sure fun to watch via live stream. I felt like I could still be part of my Whitestone family uh, watching the live stream. And I want to take some time to just acknowledge the technical crew there in the back. Nobody sees them, but they do an amazing job of making sure everything's done well. So let's give them a round of applause. And you know what? You guys are so awesome. Just give yourselves a round of applause let's, while we're at it. It's awesome. All right, we have been going through a series of pr- on prayer since the beginning of this year. And uh, I mentioned how I still have a few things that I'm working through on prayer, some issues I'd like to talk about. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to save those for the month of June. I got three weeks in June that I want to talk about those things. Uh, and so today is going to be kind of like a one-off sort of sermon. Uh, however, it does kind of have to do with prayer, so I'm going to keep it in the prayer series because I think it fits kind of well. But for some reason, over the last few weeks, I have been... This story has continually kept coming to mind. And uh, f- for some reason, I feel like God wants me to preach on this story for today. And, you know, being it's Mother's Day, I think it's always good to maybe preach a sermon that somehow touches on the hearts of mothers, but also affects all of us. And so, like I said, for some reason, this story just kept coming to mind. So I think God wants me to speak on it today. If you have your Bible, I want you turn to turn to the book of Luke. I know what you're thinking. It's already going to be a great sermon because it's coming from the book of Luke. I get that. Uh, But turn to Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Okay, Luke chapter 10, verse 38. And I'm going to read this little short story. Okay, it's only five verses, little short story. It says, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said Now, this is a story I've heard multiple times growing up. I've heard many sermons preached on this story in itself, and to be honest with you, I find it kind of interesting that it's even in the Bible. Uh, It's funny because it's only five verses long. It's a tiny little story tucked between two very important teachings of Jesus. Like right before it is the the teaching on how Jesus was teaching them how to love your neighbor, and he, he told the story of the Good Samaritan. Everybody knows that story of the Good Samaritan. Then immediately after it is the teaching on prayer, where Jesus you know, quotes the Lord's Prayer. Everybody knows the Lord's Prayer, and it's sandwiched right in between those two. And it's just kind of funny that it even gets airtime at all. Because it just seems like kind of a simple, insignificant story. Jesus comes into a town. A woman invites her into her house. She's trying to get all the preparation. She's ticked off. Her sister's not helping. She goes to Jesus and says, Jesus, you know, can you tell her to help me? He says, no, she's chosen the right thing. You've chosen the wrong thing. I'm not going to take it away. Boom, we're into the Lord's Prayer. But it's in the Bible. And for some reason, the Holy Spirit saw to it that Luke would write this story into the pages of God's Word. So guys, we have to tr- have trust that it is is for our benefit, and it must be important. Amen? Amen. So let's take a look at it, and let's see what God shows us. Um, Jesus and his disciples were traveling along, and they come to a little town called Bethany. Now, just for reference sake, Bethany is about one and a half miles from the city of Jerusalem. So it's not far away from the big city. And when Jesus and his disciples pull into the town, a woman by the name of Martha invites them to come to her home. Now, in case you don't know, this Martha and Mary in this story are the two sisters of the really famous guy we know as Lazarus, okay? Lazarus was the guy who was raised from the dead, and four days being dead, and Jesus rose him from the dead, and it's this very famous, well-known story, and Mary and Martha are the two sisters of Lazarus, and most scholars agree that Mary, Martha, and Lazarus are really good friends of Jesus, that They knew each other, they loved each other, and I think they're right about that. But it's this Martha who is inviting Jesus into her house. And something to make note of is, I believe it is her house. Uh, Maybe she was a widow, and she had this house, and her sister and brother lived with her. Uh, But um, it says that she invited Jesus into her home. So Jesus and his 12 ragtag disciples are invited into her home... And I don't know about you, but that seems like a pretty big deal. I mean, 13 hungry men come piling into the house, and you have the responsibility of hosting them. I mean, that's a big deal. It's a lot of work. And there's no way to get around that. I mean, it's the truth. Feeding and taking care of that size of a group is no small task. And it would be easy for us to focus on that. However, I don't think that's the key part of the story. I don't think the key part of this story is about how much work needs to be done. I think it's about the honored guest who's being invited. Okay? Because I think that's the crux of the whole story. You see, because there's two different ways you could respond in this type of situation. Let me give you a scenario. and let's see where we, we sit in this. Let's say that Queen Elizabeth... Heard about Economwalk, and she wants to come visit. Apparently, Economwalk was the first place that The Wizard of Oz was debuted. And she's like, I want to go see that. And so she comes to Economwalk, and she's walking downtown, and she's just looking at all the amazing sights of Economwalk. And you happen to be down there, and you see her standing in front of Fiesta Cancun. (laughs) And so you walk up to her, and you're like, Your Majesty, Queen Elizabeth, would you do me the great honor of coming to my house, and maybe, you know, we could have, I don't know, tea and crumpets. And to your amazement, she says, "Why, darling, I would be delighted to do so. And so you all head over and you go to your your home. Now, there's two different kind of reactions that can happen here, and I want to see where we fall. How many of you... Would get to your house and man, you would hit the ground running. Be like, trying to pick up things and go into the living room and put all the pillows up and draped a little blanket over so it looks perfect and you're like, you know, getting it all nice. Come on in, guys. Hey, guys, Queen Elizabeth is here. Why don't you come down and visit here and talk to her? And you're moving into the living room. and You're like, you know, I'll be right back. And you go into the kitchen and you're looking for recipes for crumpets because you don't even know what a crumpet is. And then you had to go to the store to get tea because you only drink coffee and you're running all over the place and you're just doing all this work in the kitchen while Queen Elizabeth is in your living room talking with your family? How many would be that person? Yeah, yeah. I'd be with you on that, probably. How many of you would be like, dude, Queen Elizabeth is willing to come to my home, and right now she's in my living room. Queen Elizabeth is sitting on my couch right now. And I could care less about tea and crumpets. I just want to talk to her and listen to her and be able to visit with this incredibly famous woman. She's way more important to me than all the busy work that needs to be done. I mean, if we have to, we'll order from Fiesta Cancun. I mean, if we have to. I just want to spend time with Queen Elizabeth. How many of you would be like that? Okay? Because you think, you know, I think that's the crux of the whole story. Martha did a great thing. She invited Jesus into her house, and you have to give her that. What an awesome thing to do. She didn't have to. She wasn't forced to. No, she did it out of the goodness of her own heart. She loved Jesus. She knew Jesus loved her. They had a relationship. And so she invited him and his disciples into her house to be able to enjoy that relationship. But once he was in the house, the busyness of the chores and duties took over. And she became so consumed with the serving of Jesus that she forgot it was Jesus she was serving. See what I'm saying? Jesus was in her house. Jesus, the Son of God, the creator of the universe, who spoke the universe into existence, was sitting on her couch. Now, you might be saying, well... Maybe Martha didn't really realize who he was. Maybe she, she didn't grasp who Jesus was. No, Martha knew who he was. Let me show you a verse in John. This is Martha speaking to Jesus, and look what she says. She goes, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was come into the world. Who was to come into this world. Martha knew who Jesus was. She knew that he was the Son of God. But the busyness of the work caused her to lose sight of that. And when you lose sight of that, let me tell you, everything just falls apart. And this is a danger for all of us. You see, you can be doing the most important work of all, the most amazing Christian ministry work. I mean, you could be a missionary in Timbuktu, You could be serving the needy and the poor and the homeless and the fatherless. You could be doing the most amazing godly work of all. But if you forget that it's Jesus you are serving, you're going to find yourself in a bad spot. In a place of darkness. And that's where Martha found herself. What started out as this great gesture of love, man... And just devotion to Jesus, it suddenly led to all this anxiety and concern for all that she had to do. Busyness took the place of Jesus. And guys, unfortunately, we can all tend to make that mistake. I don't know if you've ever noticed in your life how often we will invite Jesus into our everyday life, but then without thinking, we lose sight of him. And we instead start to focus on what's going on around us. We focus on the circumstance. And guys, it's great that we invite him into our everyday life. We love him. He loves us. We have a relationship with him. So that's a great thing to do. But without knowing it, we let the circumstance take preeminence. The worries and the anxieties and all the things that need to be done. They start to preoccupy our mind and they end up taking the front seat of our life and Jesus gets shoved to the back seat. We forget that Jesus is right here with us. The creator of the universe is right here with us and we lose sight of that. And guys, what often happens when, we, when circumstances start to take over and become our focus, anxiety sets in. And the next thing you know is that bitterness And resentment and all that can start to settle in. And what you're going to find is that you're going to start to compare yourself to other people. You're going to look down at others and resent them for not doing what you're doing. You're going to look down at them that they don't see the work that needs to be done. You're going to look down on them for not seeing how much you're having to do and they're not doing a thing. And very quickly we can become martyrs. No, no, no. You just sit there. It's fine. You just enjoy your little talk with Jesus. I'll go do everything. It's fine. I got it all. And inside, we're just seething. You know what I'm talking about? We all have experienced that to some degree. We've all been there. Let me tell you something. Whenever you find yourself resenting others, it's a telltale sign that you've taken your eyes off of Jesus, it's just a giveaway. And the crazy thing about being in this kind of emotional state, which you're going to find, it's crazy, but we're going to try to start to drag others down with us. Once you lose sight of Jesus... You're going to try to drag other people's eyes off of Jesus too. Once you take your eyes off of Jesus and you start looking at the circumstance and the busyness of the task and the work and the lists and everything else that needs to be done, the natural outcome is that you're going to start to panic and worry and fret, and the next thing you will find yourself doing is trying to get everyone else around you to join you in your anxiety. Hey, God, look at this. Do you see what's going on here? Do you see what all could go wrong? Do you see how much there is to do? Don't you see this? Look at this circumstance here, people. Can't you see this? Whenever we take our eyes off of Jesus and place them on the circumstance, we run the risk of leading others into this same predicament. It becomes contagious. And you know, I can imagine Martha doing that. I can imagine Martha just walking up to Mary and saying, Mary, what are you Nuts. Can't you see? There's 13 hungry guys in here. And there's all this work, working. You're sitting here just listening to Jesus. Get in there. You should be helping me whatever. And her complaining to the disciples like, guys, I don't know. I'm just doing this all by myself. You guys are just doing nothing. You're a bunch of lazy little dudes. And her freaking out. But you know what? As common as that may be, Martha didn't do that. And this is the part of the story that never gets talked about. I've heard a lot of sermons preached on this story, but I've never heard any person mention this. I want you to see this. Martha is very often seen as the bad guy in this story, the one with the bad attitude. And she often gets picked on. Mary's the good one. She chose the right thing. Not Martha. She made the bad choice. But I want you to notice something here. Yes, Martha is upset, okay? Okay? Yes, she does have a bad attitude, and yes, her eyes are focused on the circumstance, and she's anxious about all her needs and all the things that need to get done and isn't getting done. So yeah, she's not in a great spot right now, okay? She's got this bad attitude. But let me tell you, Whitestone, instead of running to Mary and chewing her out, and instead of running to the other disciples and complaining to them and dragging the whole group down, tell me who she goes to. She goes to Jesus. Martha doesn't rip into Mary. She doesn't rip into anyone. She goes right to Jesus with her hurt. And I don't know, but I commend Martha for that. Because you see, if prayer is dialoguing with God, then guys, we must learn to dialogue with Him about everything. Even when we're upset. Martha did the right thing here. Because you know what? I think the opposite is way more common. I think sometimes when we're angry and we're upset, what we tend to do is ignore God. We just put Him aside and we just act out in our anger and we just end up making a mess everywhere we go. We cause devastation everywhere we go. And in our anger, we ignore God. We shut Him out. But you know what, guys? We can't do that. We can and we must go to God even when we're upset. Even when we're upset at him. Because that's what Martha does. If you pay attention to Martha's words, she's upset with Jesus. Look, she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Jesus, don't you care? Don't you care? Now, how many times have you and I wanted to ask Jesus those very words? Don't you care? Don't you care with the situation that we're having to go through right now? Don't you care that I'm suffering? Don't you care that I'm all alone in my marriage? Don't you care, Jesus, that I'm drowning over here? Don't you care that my kids are making a mess out of their lives? And on and on the reasons go. Don't you care, Jesus? Martha feels like Jesus doesn't care. And you know what? I can see where she's coming from. I'm sure Jesus has seen Martha running all around doing all the stuff. I'm sure Jesus, as he's talking to the group, sees Martha in the kitchen, washing the dishes, preparing the meal, doing all stuff, running in and out of the room. I'm sure Jesus saw Martha doing it all by herself. He saw it. And so Martha is hurt by the fact that Jesus doesn't care that she's doing it all by herself. Why doesn't he say something? Why doesn't he rescue her and ask someone to help her? Why is he just letting me do everything by myself? Don't you care, Jesus? You see, Martha's perspective was that Jesus didn't care about her. Everyone is more important than her. He cares about everyone else but not her. That was her perspective. But notice how Jesus answers. Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary chose what is better, and it's not going to be taken away from her. I love that he answered that way, Martha, Martha. I love that. Shows that he loves her, he's friends with her. He didn't snap at her, he didn't humiliate her. He wasn't like, oh my word, Martha, grow up. What is your problem? You're always such a whiner. You're all worked up all the time, it's ridiculous, I'm getting so sick of this. No, he lovingly responded, and I can see him, his kind eyes, looking into her saying, Martha, my, my sweet Martha, you're worried and you're upset about so many different things, and you're focused on all sorts of different things going on. You're devoting yourself to these other activities when really there's only one activity you should devote yourself to. There's only one activity that truly matters, and that is spending time with me. You see, Martha, Mary, chose me over the work. And Martha, I'm not going to take that away from Mary. She chose correctly. You didn't. You chose the work over me. The work was more important to you than me. And you chose incorrectly. Mary chose correctly. You see, Mary understood who was in the living room. And it was always on her mind. It was Jesus, her master, her Lord. It was her creator. And if Jesus is in the living room, nothing else matters. Who cares if everyone is hungry? She just wants to be with Jesus. Yes, I see that Martha is all worked up and wound up and running around trying to get lunch ready. But why in the world would she do that? Just a couple of weeks ago, Jesus fed 5,000 hungry people out of two fish and five loaves. If we really get that hungry, he can whip something up out of nothing. I don't care. Martha, get over here. Mary chose correctly. Why would she be in the kitchen if Jesus was in the living room? And Jesus made sure Martha understood that. Now, do you see what Jesus did there? Do you see what happened? Jesus gently, kindly, and lovingly realigned her perspective. You see, Martha's perspective was that Jesus considered everyone to be more important than her. He must not have cared about her. But what Jesus showed her was that the opposite was true. He showed Martha that by doing what she was doing, she was proving that all of her activities were more important than Jesus. He showed her that by her actions, she cared more about the work that needed to be done than she cared about Jesus. And he completely changed her perspective. She believed a lie, and he showed her the truth. And guys, when we're given truth from Jesus, man, it changes everything. And that's the beauty of coming to Jesus at all times. Whenever we come to Jesus, he will always give us the truth. And guess what, guys? The truth will always set us free. Amen? Now, this is the part I want us to walk away with today. This is the main thing I want us to draw from this story. And this is something that I'm trying to learn myself. I've got a long way to go with this. But I don't know if any of you are like me in this regard, but where I struggle with prayer so often is that I feel like i got to have it all together before I come to God in prayer. I feel like i got to have my life all together to come to Jesus and to talk to Him about stuff. I often feel like if I'm going to spend time praying and dialoguing with God about anything, I, need, I, mean, I shouldn't be anxious, I shouldn't be angry, I shouldn't be struggling with anything. i got to have it all put together, and then when I have it all together, I can come talk to God about anything. So guess what I do? I tend to avoid God until I get everything right. But you know what? That's crazy. That just simply shouldn't be. The opposite is true. Dialoguing with Jesus about our problems and struggles is what we should be doing. We should be like Martha, and when we find ourselves upset and anxious and hurt about something, we should go right to Jesus. He's the one we should be going to and dialoguing with. Because, you see, he's the one who's going to give us the right perspective. He's the one who will show us the truth in each and every situation. And truth brings freedom, always. So don't sit around in your despair and live the life of a martyr and and dwell in your self-pity. As Jesus told Martha, only one thing is necessary. And that's Jesus. Jesus go to Jesus. Be honest with him. Tell him what's on your heart. If you feel like he doesn't care about you, tell him. Share your heart with Jesus and then listen to what he has to say because he knows exactly what you need to hear. But I'm going to give you a warning. I'm going to warn you that don't expect to walk away from that conversation unchanged. You're going to be changed. You see, because the words of Jesus, they change everything. Because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. When Jesus spoke, the creation came into existence. When Jesus spoke, crippled, lame people who've been lame for 40 years got up and walked away. When Jesus spoke, the blind Walked away seen. When Jesus spoke, the dead came out of the graves. When Jesus spoke, the rejected and outcast felt what it meant to be loved. When Jesus spoke, de- demons fled, darkness hid, and light poured forth. Why? Because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And when he speaks to you, you will not remain unchanged. Amen? You can count on that. So here's what we have before us. Go to Jesus. Choose the one thing that is necessary. Choose Jesus. Amen? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I want to just thank you for this story. What an amazing, amazing story. And God, I know there's many of us in this room who, man, we we want to invite you into our life and we do but man we just get caught up with all the circumstances and we're just we're distracted we put you in the back seat. and then to make it worse we we find ourselves just feeling like well i can't come to you until i have it all together and that just never seems to happen and so we just we leave you out of our life and god what a miserable life that is May we see that there's only one thing necessary, and that's you. That's coming to you. And So I pray that on this day we might walk out of this room choosing to make that one thing that is necessary part of our everyday life all the time. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.